This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and I'm happy to have you back for another one of our podcast episodes. We're exploring the worlds of customer service and customer experience, and today I'm very excited to have uh, one of those experienced practitioners in the world of customer service and experience, Alex Mead. Alex, welcome to the All Things Considered CX podcast, and uh, please introduce yourself to our to our listeners. Hi, Bob. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. First of all, I, I don't like the word practitioner. <laughs> I've, I've never practiced anything other than trying to be Bono and when I tried to play the guitar badly. So, um, you know, I, I, I started as a customer service agent. I had a degree in IT. I ran away to Canada and had a, a lovely one-year adventure. Then I came back to the UK and my first job was as a customer service agent with a headset on. So I wasn't practicing then. Then I became a team leader, a manager, a head of, etc. And I realized quite quickly, I'm, I'm good at two things and good relative to your point of view is, customers talk to me. They could be the most angry of customers. I've got a, I've got a, a way of handling, dealing with them that others don't necessarily have. And I found, you know what, I naturally empathize with a customer. So if a customer's really angry, I would say, wow, you're really angry. Do you know what, if I was in your shoes, I would be too. And I actually got disciplined for talking about that as a customer service agent, believe it or not. But then four years later, when I was running the operation, we won an award as best customer service in our industry. So I fell into this, this um, customer service world, but I won't give you my biography, but right now for the last um, almost a year, around a year, I've been working for a, a very ambitious, exciting digital startup here in the Middle East. We're going to be launching our brand in the next quarter and then to all the public early next year. And we're going to be a digital bank, but better than all the others for our customer service experience, because that's what I'm determined to deliver. So, yeah, not a practitioner. I'm someone who practitions in effect. I have to come up with a vision, the strategy, underpin it with all the technology, get the buy-in. But also I have to lead the people, they report to me, the people in the contact centers, the customer service teams, digital transformation. So that's who I am. But really, I wish I was a rock star or a football player still. So Alex, is it uh, is it in your DNA or how do you think you got that customer uh, orientation that you just described? It, it absolutely is in my DNA. Uh, anyone who goes shopping with me or on any hotel airline, experience that they, they tend to stand 10 steps back because I'm always like oh for goodness sake why have they put me in the loyalty queue then they're serving those people first and that person there I've been stood here has not even acknowledged me just say hi I'll be five minutes I am the worst nightmare but it's not because I want to be the worst nightmare I just think do you know what if I was the person responsible for the sales in this company or the retention I would not want my staff to be operating that way so it's it's, it's I don't know how I've and I don't think it's some, a skill you can be taught by this accreditation. I naturally think 
well, not, I naturally do what every customer does. I realize, hmm, that's not good for me. But I then naturally empathize to, if that was just me, it must be another 10,000 people. So then how must it be to be that employee who doesn't even know they should be acknowledging me or saying, hi, how can I help you, who has no information. So yeah, I, I've never had a certification or accreditation, but it's just <laughs> something that I, I think is in my DNA, which is why, uh, but you know, people who've worked for me and with me, uh, you look at my LinkedIn recommendations, uh, which is not, not the best source these days. Alex, we like working with Alex, he's so passionate. And it literally, I I feel it coming out of every pore when, I, when I'm doing a transformation or leadership. My God, we've got to give the best customer service in the world. And definitely I have this awful competitive spirit as well. And I think it's, it's all that together. Is, was there something that happened? Uh, well, let me, let me back up for a second. <laughs> the fact that you worked from the ground up, so to speak, in customer service, and, and really, uh, you know, you understand the front line, you understand the middle line, you understand the leadership. you understand it all and and that's unusual cases um but was there something in your background in your in your uh bringing up or something that triggered this because you're right you it's very hard to train that that uh that behavior towards customers versus the skills towards customers yeah i think i think um my upbringing at the time i hated it i was the angry teenager because my father was in the royal air force and Okay, whilst you're in my house, you will always be out of bed by 9 a.m., even on a weekend. And when you're 18, you're calling home at 4 a.m. That's not a good way to be brought up. And then uh, we had chores and tasks. But the things he instilled into me is always do what you said you're going to do. And if you can't do it, always tell the person in advance. So don't let people down. Don't be late for appointments. Just always think of the other person. And... Um, I'm sure that that is, is the essence of everything I do. Always think of the other person. What you're doing, how would it affect that other person? And I think it is as simple as that, it really is. So what, what he instilled in me is I am never, ever late for anything. And if I am going to be late, I will let people know in advance. And Bob, I think I might have been late for one of our podcasts that I, I cancelled. But that wasn't against my principles. It was against maybe... Uh, the, the plane was delayed and I was in the air and couldn't contact you. I don't know. But I, I always want... So uh, timekeeping is, is crucial for me, but not, not in a, a anal way, but the most important thing is if I said to anyone in a company, I'm gonna do this by that date, I will move heaven and earth to make it happen. And if I can't do it, I will give them a damn good reason why it can't be done, but in advance. So uh, I don't know whether that's, um, that's a customer service experience principle. I think it is. Always think of how the other person must be feeling and how you can impact that. So if you're a customer service agent, I'm sorry, I've no idea where your parcel is either. I, I would literally, as a customer service agent, say, okay, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Miss Customer, I, I don't know where your parcel is. Leave it with me. I'll do what I can to find out and call you back. You know, and that, that is, so that's not a journey mapping. That's just the way I am as a person. So I think it is, it's all of those things. Makes makes complete sense, uh, Alex. Um, but, but here's my question, Alex. Why is it so difficult for organizations to on what you just described as what I'm sure our listeners are saying, it's good customer service, but why do we continue to encounter so much bad customer service? Uh, yeah, honestly, there, there, there are so many dimensions to that. First of all, uh, I've said many times that what, I, I'm very clear when I say I do customer service experience, but then a lot of people 
what do you mean by customer service experience, Alex? They think I mean the complaints team or the people that take issues when they've gone wrong. I say no, customer service experience is, I'm interested in buying that product. If I, before I order it, can you tell me if I can change the color or when is it gonna come or is it compatible with this device? So it, it, customer service experience is every interaction about anything across every channel or every time. So that to me is, is the biggest part of customer experience. But because everyone now is a customer, customer experience sorry, expert, they've lost focus of uh, what does that actually mean. And to me saying the word customer experience is, is like saying, hey, what do you do? I do business. Please give me specifics. So customer experience, for me, I, I, I'd like to, my skill is I will make sure any customer that wants to reach out to a company can do it quickly, easily, in a personalized way through the channel of their choice. So that means I will allow them to go to the app, the website, the contact center, the social media channel, and I'll never ever have a journey where they have to tell us stuff we should already know. I'll never ever make them use self-service if they want to talk to a human being. Clearly I'll try and push them through that gateway just so I can know what you want to talk to us about. I'll never make them have to contact us to find out how we're dealing with something we've said we're doing on their behalf. So to me, customer service experience is already so many things because just to do that list of things I've said, you need digital link to CRM and to AI, to ERP, to all this stuff. People aren't thinking about customer service experience in that way anymore. They're saying, hey, I do customer experience, so I'm gonna do voice of the customer journey mapping. Uh, that really is not the most important thing right now. And if you need to do a journey map to, to, to realize we don't answer 50% of our customers' phone calls in, in an hour every day, and we make them phone us because we don't have any digital channels, then you're already way behind the curve. And if you think about the structure of most companies, they, they there used to be this title probably 10 plus years now, you'd have a customer service director VP. You'd have sales, you'd have marketing, operations, HR, IT, the usual. Along has come this customer experience title and customer service has been forgotten and it literally you, you will have um, a chief customer officer who's basically the marketing director with a, a new title and they won't be thinking about oh my goodness how do we stop customers having to phone us when they really don't want to because we don't have other channels how do we empower that customer service agent when a customer is saying, hey, where is my delivery? And Amazon are one of the biggest culprits of this. How do I give them a solution so they can find out where the delivery is? And if they can't, they have the empowerment and the culture to say to the customer, I leave it with me, I'll phone UPS, DHL, FedEx. I don't expect you to do it and I'll get back in touch with you. So the answer to that is we just don't have people thinking about customer service experience. We have, I think 15 million plus cost plus customer experience practitioners, but customer service experience is just an art that has been forgotten and uh, people just aren't focusing on it. In, in to me, the, it is the most important part of customer experience. And the last point is, if a customer can't even talk to you or get help quickly and easily, then A, you're not gonna get their business, but B, you're, you're not gonna understand what are the things we need to fix for them. So I've had a lot of conversations about voice of the customer and insight and, and sending surveys the biggest insight is just in what customers say to you. But when you say what customers say to you, it doesn't need to be your agents. It should be every self-help article they're trying to get, every chatbot question they ask, everything they put on social media. That is an expression of customer insight. So, you know, to me, it's actually very clear. And what I do, um, the toughest part of my role is actually creating the structure within the organization to allow me to be the guy that owns all of our customer interactions across every channel 
about everything. And um, it's just, I'm in the minority, which is why me, you, and I'm sure 95%, probably more of consumers now, we have the worst customer service experiences for <laughs> many years. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I've got a 25 plus year background in customer service and running customer service operations, and I can relate 100% to what you're saying. And, and the other comment I would make is I, I hear so often people say, I need to do a journey map. And you say, why do you need to do a journey map, right? And and you kind of get this blank stare. Well, I read an article that says, if you want a better experience, you got to do a journey map. <laughs> Except uh, what you're talking about is really, uh, you know, uh, getting to the core of understanding your customers. And that's really what a journey map is all about. But you do it much more practically. Um, so... <clears throat> Very, very interesting. Uh, Alex, let's face it, there's this debate between customer service and customer experience. And uh, it rages across various articles and blogs and so forth about, you know, is it customer service or is it customer experience? Uh, you've got some, some great perspective on that. What are your thoughts there to build on what you were just talking about? Yeah, so to me, and I've actually had to, I've written a strategy paper in my current role, so I, I'm not talking hypothetically, which is the first point. Too many of these people who could have the most amazing in concept, in theory and concept, they, they wouldn't float a boat in, in the calmest water. So what I, I've said in my paper here, so we're going to be a digital bank. We have an app, but we have contact centers and our customers can contact us via social media, digital, whatever channel they choose. So I've said, in our bank, I'm responsible for customer service experience. So the stuff I've said, every contact across every channel, but our customer experience is made up of four other elements. The, the other three elements, sorry, the, the four other elements are, what's our app product experience like? So if I just want to transfer money, is that slick, is that easy? Can I do that and feel as though I didn't even notice how good it was? So that's not, customer service experience such as hey I just need to do something wow that was slick I signed in I paid my bill the second one I talk about is the brand and marketing experience so if somebody is uh, got an outstanding complaint and we send them hey do you want to open a new credit card that's not a very good customer experience but also the way we are personalizing our brand and marketing officers so offers if we're saying telling customers hey are you interested in this brand new credit card and they've just actually already opened a credit card with us that sucks. But then it's the, the tone of voice, the language you use. So the, the brand and marketing experience isn't great. And then the third one is what, what's our um, product? Uh, I don't mean product in terms of the app. I mean, are our, is our credit card rate as good as our competitors? Are our bank transfer fees as good as our competitors? So the third one is, are we competitive? And then the fourth and final one, uh, remember what you said, Alex, uh, is, is the Spanish Inquisition. No, there is a fourth and final one. <laughs> It'll come to, uh, let me, uh, 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 I, I've forgotten the fourth and final one, which shows I'm not making it up because otherwise I'd have it at the top of my head. But exactly. I will look it up. In fact, I've got my document in front of me, giving me five. Ah, got it. It's the operations and risk experience. So actually, if you think about it, um, it's been great. I can use the app really well to apply for my loan. The, the customer journey has been great and the marketing was awesome to get me to apply for that loan. But then they've just rejected my loan because they say I'm too much of a risk what the hell, I've got great credit rating, or they've rejected my loan because it took, well actually I'm waiting two weeks for the loan offer to come. So to answer your question, customer experience is customer service experience, it's the marketing and brand experience, it's our app journey experience, 
it's our brand and marketing experience and operations and risk policy experiences. So in our bank, there are five distinctly different things that make up the customer experience. And if someone said, hey, Alex, you're now in charge of the operations and risk experience, I'd be, oh my God, I have no idea. Or if they're in charge, of, if you're in charge of the brand and marketing, I could do a good job, but I'm not an expert. So that is, is why there's a big difference between customer service experience and customer experience. And I'll go back to my earlier point. There should not be someone who says, hey, I'm a customer experience thought leader expert, because in our bank, you'd have to be the one who's an expert in risk, operations, marketing, app, and customer service experience. And even our CEO would say he's not. So it's a mythical title that I just wish people should no longer be allowed to say, hey, I do customer experience. So quite a lengthy answer, but hopefully that explains the difference. Well, it does. And and I think you give a great roadmap too, in terms of your strategy and approach. Uh, listeners, you're listening to uh, another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast and our guest, Alex Mead, who's um, really building and sharing a lot of his approach to customer service. So Alex, along those lines, let's say I'm a, a let, let's go back to the day. And I remember the days of customer service directors and, and let's say I'm put into this role for the first time. Uh, and, and I know I need to get in, I know I need to improve this, the customer service organization. I know we're not doing well with our customers. What do you, what do you tell somebody who's put in this role that's been told by the executive, you got to fix this mess. How do they approach it? What do they do? Uh, okay, I'll give you, a, again, another real example. So I worked for a 60,000 employee, uh, massive company, multi-million, billion pound company. And uh, in that company, there were four or five subsidiaries. One of them was a parcel, a logistics company delivering half a million parcels a day. But I was brought in by the group CEO of the 60,000 employee company to say, I'm creating this new role because I hear customer care is a big thing. This was like 10 years ago. Oh yes, uh, customer care. We forgot about that too. <laughs> yeah. Some people would say, hey, you're the complaints guy or the customer service guy, the customer care. I, everyone called me seven different things. Uh, so uh, uh, we're already doing customer service, customer care. Why the hell are you here was the first thing. So, But what he did, he gave me two hats to wear. The first of all is I was, the guy in the whole 60,000 employee group that was responsible for the customer care strategy. But then he put me uh, on the board, the leadership team of the parcel delivery logistics company. And mine was a brand new role, director of customer care. And on the board were the um, seven other people who'd only ever worked in parcel delivery their whole careers. They're looking at me with arms folded. Who's this guy? He doesn't understand parcel delivery. Oh my God, what an idiot, you know? And literally, they, they, <laughs> and, uh, this was a 5,000 employee subsidiary and I was given responsibility. Uh, you can run the call centers, Alex, there's uh, 200 people there. So uh, there are 4,800 employees I had no uh, direct control over. And the CEO, the group CEO basically, he, he told the city, the shareholders, everyone of an interest, our customer service, sorry, our customer experience in our parcel delivery company is really poor. So I'm personally creating this new role and I guarantee by next Christmas, this is 11 months time, our customer experience will be better than all the others. So day one, I inherited 200 people with a 95% call abandonment rate, average speed of answer of over one hour. The only uh, contact channel other than phone was email and they were six weeks old and growing. So it was, it was to say it was badly broken is an understatement. So I was told Alex is going to fix customer experience and customer service. So 
okay, clearly I can't fix the call center problem. I need to fix the symptom. So the first thing I did is, okay, I'm responsible for making sure customers, when they contact us, get a, a great, a better solution than the awful experience they're getting. So the better solution means, A, we can answer their contacts. B, it means we answer better than we are right now. So first thing I did is I, I thought, okay, I've got to understand how this customer service contact center thing fits into our operations. So I went out with the, the parcel delivery guys getting up at 4 a.m. and saw the way they delivered parcels. I went out to the hubs who sorted parcels at midnight. I went out with our field sales guys who were selling our services to the big commercial retailers to win our business. And it became obvious to me that the problem isn't the call centers or the customer service. It's actually the symptoms of why people want to talk to us. And there were 95% of customer service questions were one of two types. When is my parcel coming? Or why the hell hasn't it come? You told me you were doing X, Y, and Z, it didn't happen. So the first part I realized, okay, if they're asking us, when is my parcel coming? Surely we can self-service that in a smarter way than making them have to talk to a, a customer service agent after waiting in an hour. So we thought we'd solve that quickly first by giving you speech self-service and the ability to, to type in your consignment number into. But we realized quickly that wasn't the issue because whatever information we gave them was just repeating the information that we, we didn't know ourselves. So for that second bit, we realized, okay, how to, we should really crack this is proactively tell them when their parcel is coming. But that means to proactively tell them, we need to have an idea of when that parcel is actually going to be delivered within the hour of that day, which then led to a huge project of route optimization. We need to actually understand within a, a scientific model, this, this van has got 90 parcels in it. When it leaves the depot at 7 a.m., here's the planned route. So that customer's parcel should be there between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. So the first thing we did, although I wasn't responsible for the 3,000 guys out delivering parcels or the depots, I influenced them to say, right, if we can proactively tell customers when to expect their parcels, I'm sure we can avoid 40,000 failed deliveries every day because we don't have the right information to deliver a customer or they're not in when we're trying. But secondly, we'll be able to go and market to all of our big retailers. Hey, we've got this new thing. You can actually, we can actually tell your customers what hour of the day to expect their parcel. This is 2011, it didn't exist. So we were coming up with a customer service contact center issue that made the operations so much more efficient and allowed our sales guys to win huge business. So I didn't just say, hey, we need to fix our customer service center by doing route tracking and self-service. I said, by doing this, we can fix our entire business. So they went, wow, and that became a huge project. But the second and biggest part was, and that, that, was, that was a huge, that alone was a massive piece of work. The second thing was, why did you not deliver when you said you were gonna deliver? And within that, we, we put, um, every, every driver had a, a PDA with GPS in it. We were able to track their routes. And in theory, when they pressed a button on their PDA to say, hey, I tried to deliver to Bob, but he wasn't in, we could see physically where that driver was when he pressed that, and we could see, did he actually go to Bob's address? And we realized 20 to 30,000 times a day, drivers were saying they tried to deliver to Bob, Sue, Jeanette, whoever, and were actually not even going anywhere near the address. So we knew we were getting 30,000 customers saying, what the hell, nobody came to my property, you didn't try to deliver or leave my parcel here. So again, how, how, if I just went to the, the depots and said, your drivers are liars, I would have got nowhere, I would have been uh, shouted out of town. So, so again, I'm thinking, okay, how can I put myself in their shoes? Okay, but because I went out with the delivery drivers, I realized 
of these 25 to 30,000 deliveries a day where you're not able to deliver when you, when you said you tried to, I think it's one of, because of one of two things. And I, I looked at this scientifically and by going out with the drivers. A, you don't have enough information to find that customer's address. So uh, if you've ordered from a retailer and you've put in, the customer has said to the retailer, hey, I'm in the fourth floor flat. When the, when the driver's here, can he press the bell and I'll let him in? Wasn't even being pushed through to the, the driver's delivery instructions. So, ah, that's not their fault they can't deliver. So what option do they have? They have a press a button and say they'll try to deliver. But the second one I realized is we'd gone so full steam ahead of the route optimization, a, a driver was being told you need to deliver here by 10 a.m. And he realized, if I go and do that address, that's four miles that way. This means I'm going to be late for the next 10. So what other option do I have just other than say, hey, I tried to deliver? So we realized, okay, we have to fix all of these issues to, to make the proactive delivery messaging stop, stop us failing to deliver. So it became a huge monster project that wasn't, again, a, hey, let's fix our contact centers project. It was a, how can we be more effective and efficient as a parcel delivery company, sell more, and deliver great customer service experiences. So God, the toughest part was aligning the board. If I'd gone in there and say, hey, the call centers are terrible because your drivers pretend to deliver and you suck, I would have got nowhere. And I had to take everyone step by step, but there was one critical moment where we, um, I, I obviously shared these thoughts with the board as we we're going along and gave them insight. And, and to be fair, half of them supported me from day one. We had an off-site day with 74 depot general managers who are, I'm, I'm standing up explaining my strategy to fix this. One of them, I knew he, I was warned he'd be the one who'd sh shout me down. He said, I think you're talking crap, Alex. Uh, you don't have a clue about parcel. Go back to your office job. <laughs> and I said, I said, Bob, you're from Halifax depot, right? Yes, I am. Uh, okay. So you don't think forced carding happens in your depot? It definitely doesn't. And I'd ha I had the uh, CTO next to me and he'd been showing me in real time. His depot had forced carded 12 times at that time at 11 a.m. alone in that very one morning. And I said, interestingly, you want to take it? He said, no, Alex, I wanted to have it out right now. I said, okay, uh, John, can you uh, put on the big screen, please? And we actually showed two of his drivers who'd forced carded in the last 10 minutes. And he put his head down and went, oh, yeah, okay, all right. It does. <laughs> But honestly, you have to be brave and you, A, you have to be so right with your facts. If I've been wrong, but I, the, the IT director aligned me and proved by the GPS positions they weren't going in. Yeah, that became um, when the acceptance came in, how did we change it? And again, your other point, advice is, okay, we know we need to do so much. We, and how do we do this now? We need CRM. We didn't have a CRM platform. We had no digital our CRM wasn't linked to our ERP. There was a whole bunch of things we needed, but we needed to engage the hearts and minds of um, 5,000 employees. So in the depots, there were 74 depots, there were 700 customer care staff reporting to the depot manager. So I had to explain why it's better if they reported to me and became a virtual team along with the 200 contact center agents. So instead of a contact center receiving a call from a customer, where's my parcel? phoning a depot and then trying to phone the, di the driver, it's one big pool of 900 agents so they can all help each other and that was a world of pain but then when we realized that we realized we needed to win our hearts and minds so we didn't want to send an email or a memo, hey we're doing things differently, we created a roadshow and literally we got staff from, there were 10 events where seven depot staff each day would come out to an off-site day at a hotel, we'd tell them 
guys, it's been hell on earth. We know you've had the most miserable job ever. Here's what we're going to do about it. And by the time we've done this, we're going to be the best customer service in parcel delivery by a mile. But we need you to help us how to do, tell us how to do this. We've got the high level ideas. And we had 600 volunteers out of 900 to want to lead the project. Wow. Was just, yeah, so, so that the advice is literally don't, you know, go out with the people who are part of the big picture. Don't just think, hey, well, I run the contact center. And go out with your sales guys, your service guys, the people in the field, whatever sector you're in, go and work in the retail stores and then work back from that. And then the second part is work back from why, do, why are employees not able to give the great customer service that they probably want to. And that doesn't, I didn't do any journey mapping on voice of the customer in that either, to be honest. Well, but I think the interesting, I mean, I mean, for years I've said that the customer service department is the, um, you know, downstream symptom of an upstream problem. Absolutely. And you, you, you just address that. And, and I mean, listeners, this Alex's story is so rich with learnings because he builds credibility in the field by going in the field. He builds credibility with the sales group by being with the sales team. And that's so important because they have a voice. They, you know, they, he's walked in their shoes. And I, I Alex, I, I just think that approach makes a lot of sense. And what, what I was going to say is you might not have done voice of customer, but you did voice of employee. And, and, and that's where I always start. If I go into a customer service organization, the frontline people, uh, across multiple functions, know more than anybody in the entire organization about how good you are at serving customers. So why not ask them, right? <clears throat> and don't get me wrong. Um, I have done voice. I've even put sat metrics NPS in. Before. So <laughs> I, I, I do like if you're a sophisticated, well-developed company and you already have the basics in place, it can add value. But here's the thing about NPS. Uh, this was a uh, another subsidiary of the same group. Actually, we, we hired out huge building equipment, cranes, massive things. And uh, we had, we lost 40% of customers each year. We gained 40% because the whole sector was terrible. So what we said, we just want to send a survey to a customer, not NPS. We'll use the Satmetrics NPS mechanism, but we're going to ask them some very simple questions. And we never once asked you, would you recommend us to a friend? I've hired a crane. I'm not going to recommend a crane to my best friend in the pub, am I? It's like, but what we asked them is, okay, based on your experience, how do you do against other, other companies you can hire cranes from? Great, simple question. And then, um, would you hire from us again based on this experience? So similar to, would you recommend a friend? But then what we did is we said, okay, we know you uh, got a quote from us, but you didn't book a crane from us. So based uh, based on, was there something wrong with the quotation experience compared to competitors? And what can we do better about that? And if you hired a crane from us and you had technical support, tell us how the technical support experience was. And then when we finally had hired a crane, we collected it and we had it back, we'd say, right, how was the whole experience? How was the ordering experience? How was the delivery experience? How was the collection experience? And how was the invoicing experience? So we used the MPS framework for that. But we had a very simple, it was personalized to each customer with no more than five or six questions. And the insight and analytics we got from that were mind blowing. So we didn't start with, hey, based on this, would you recommend us to a friend, which is just again laughable, it's still seen as the, the best way to, to do NPS. Uh, I love talking to Alex uh, uh, Mead. He's, he's got a great perspective and he challenges the, the traditional way of thought. And, and I would encourage our listeners um, to if you aren't following him on LinkedIn, do so because uh, his posts are going to make you think, 
And uh, some people call them controversial. I call them um, a great perspective from a leader who's been there and done that. Alex, before I can't believe how fast our podcast time has gone together. Alex, before we leave and end our podcast, words of wisdom, final thoughts from you uh, after a great discussion to our listeners. Yeah, very simply, um, there's over 60 million customer experience people are on LinkedIn now. And I, I, I feel for a lot of them because they, a lot of them don't have jobs. They, uh, they're, they're worried about money. They're, they're following um, advice to get accredited, certified. My advice is just get yourself in a, a customer service job. If you want to get into customer experience, get into customer service, listen to what customers say, and, and don't follow the party line of, Oh, well, I can't phone you back, Mr. Customer. I'm not allowed to challenge everything. And think about every customer that talks to you. Why can't I give them an answer? Why can't I empathize with them? Why am I unable to solve the issue? And if you can't do it as an agent, keep a list of them. Keep badgering away. Go and see the CEO. You can always, believe it or not, if you're the right sort of person, you can get a minute with a CEO, whichever company you're in. You may have to go through many barriers, but just... For customer experience, start with customer service, please. Excellent words of wisdom from Alex Mead. And um, Alex, thank you for joining us on this podcast. We really appreciate it. We know how busy you are. And uh, your stories and your perspectives are, uh, I think, really impactful to listeners that are trying to make strides to improve the overall customer service and experience within organizations. Just just get in there and do it. And, and I think that's fantastic advice. This has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. If you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have, please share it with your networks. And of course, always stay tuned for another episode of this podcast, as well as my fellow podcasters on the CXFM radio network. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and visit CXofM.org for more resources.